All right, good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm super, super excited to be here. As you probably know, I absolutely love January 1st because it's like a brand new start. We get to put everything back behind us, and then I get to start a brand new list of things that I want to accomplish. Most things that I probably won't, but I love just writing them down, thinking that maybe I could do this. Now, some of you may remember about a month back I had a birthday, and in all the confusion, I forgot how old I was. I thought I was a year older than I actually was, and when I learned that, I got super excited. Like, I can't believe, I thought I was going to be 48, I'm only 47, I know I look 37, it's okay, you don't have to say that. But I was so excited. And so this is kind of like the football play, right, Coach? When the, and I know this wouldn't happen to your defense. But when the defense jumps, uh, has a, not, it's not a false start. When they go offside, what do they call that for the offense? It's a free play. No matter what happens, if you mess up, you're going to get it back. And so for me, 2023 is absolutely a free play. And so I just want you to know, I'm not handing off to the running back, okay? Coach, I'm saying go downfield. We're just go way, way down there. And when you, then we're just going to chunk the ball and see what happens. And so I want you to imagine that 2023 is a free play. It is an opportunity because something has happened. And I want you to know, guys, that the defense messed up. And we got a free play and something amazing is going to happen, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But we're going to end up in Mark chapter 3. And one thing I like to do, and I don't know why, I like to try to come up with clever titles to sermons. And half the time I don't even say, well, this is what the title of the sermon is. But I had to go over a few different uh, sermon titles with you this morning, and, and maybe you can help me pick one. The first one is this. This could be the sermon about the art of stealing. How about that? That would be a good one. How many of you, like, you know, you go to Furs afterwards and somebody says, oh, you went to church this morning. Yeah, what y'all talk about? We talked about the, the art of stealing. So I, I thought that was pretty clever. I know you do too, but you don't have to say anything. How about this? How to become a thief. That would be a pretty good one. I mean, we have how-to videos on YouTube all the time. We figure out how to change a tire or fix something. Maybe somebody can YouTube how to become a better thief and and this will be the video that, that comes up. Maybe, maybe this could just be Breaking and Entering 101. For those of you who don't know how to do it, okay, well, I, I, maybe I can show you. And, and the last one, 2023, the year of the heist. That one kind of rings, but that's the one I really like. But you get to decide at the end of this which you think is the best one. I, I guess there's several reasons why I have such odd titles for this sermon this morning. One of them is, the truth be told, I've been binge-watching uh, bank robbery documentaries over the last week or so. I was a little, little down and, and couldn't get out and do as much as I wanted to, and so in my free time of laying around, I started watching all these documentaries on how, to, uh, how people attempted uh, to rob a bank. So there you know a little bit about me and, and some of my issues. 
But another reason is this is January 1st, and I want to motivate you for the next 365 days. I, and I know you think, well, how does bank robberies have anything to do with it? Well, you'll have to hang with me on that one. But the other thing is this, is that, that we're studying Mark in class, and we always beg you guys, hey, hang around for class, uh, and, and I can't force you to go to class, so I just figured, hey, I'm just going to bring class here. And so we're just going to be working through Mark this morning, and we're going to be talking about the idea of, of robberies and thieves, because believe it or not, that's what Jesus is going to talk about, and that's what's going to be recorded in Mark chapter 3. Now, I do want to say this. This really is kind of a difficult section. At least it has been for me, but I think it's worth diving into a little deeper. So I think most of you have got your devices powered up. You have your Bibles open. We're going to be in Mark chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 23. I know that I got an extra year uh, back, uh, but my eyes did not get the message, and so... We'll try to see if I can read the tiny, tiny print. Okay, just to give a, a quick uh, an overview of what's taking place, uh, prior to uh, verse 23, up a section before we have the naming of the apostles, Jesus is going to drive out some demons, and that's going to cause a little bit of excitement and some stir, and and people are going to really latch on to, to his ability to drive out demons. And now they're trying to figure out how is he able to do this. So that's kind of the context of what's going on. Uh, so down in verse 22 of Mark chapter 3, it says this, And the teachers of the law who came to him from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Okay, so this is what they're saying, like, hey, Okay, you're driving out demons, you have power, we got to figure out where that power is coming from, and they don't want to say it's coming from God, because then that puts them on the wrong side. So they're going to say, hey, we think it's by Satan that you're driving out demons. And so the crowd, they think, well, they can believe this, and, and they have a really good thought here, because if, if they're not going to be persuaded by the miracles they're certainly not going to be persuaded by anything that he has next. They're like, okay, if he can't show it, he certainly can't say it. So they're ready. They think they've got him. They think they have him in checkmate. And so listen to what he, he says, his logic to this. And then he's going to tell a, a great little story in a second. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand and his end has come. Okay, so let's pause for just a second. I mean, this is a really a logical statement right here. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, okay, if I'm Satan, right, and I'm driving out my own demons, like I'm kicking my own self, like I'm, I'm tearing myself apart. I can't do this, right? No, you can't do this, okay? If you're a team and you get ready to go in a huddle and the quarterback says, you know, we're going to run, I want you to run a, a flag route and one of the guys starts and says, hey guys, defense, I'm going to run a flag route in a second, okay? Just so you know, right? How well is that going to go for the other team, right? They're, they're, they're going to just completely demolish them. And so Jesus says, listen, okay, 
your logic, it's pretty terrible. Because if I really am from Satan, if my power is derived from Satan, and I'm attacking Satan's demons, then I'm really just dismantling myself. And by the way, an army can't work that way, a house can't work that way, individuals can't work that way. Right? But then he's going to tell this little story. And this story has always bothered me. It really has bothered me. I've really struggled with it a lot because I'm trying to figure out who is who in this story. Who, who belongs to who? So I want you to try to think about that as he tells this story. So let's pick back up uh, in verse 27. In fact, he says, No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. So let's stop right there for a second. This is what really bothers me. Who's the strong man? Come on, people. We're in church. It's a Sunday morning. You're waking up. Who, if you say, if we're reading the Bible and we say there's a strong man, who has to be the strong man? God has to be the strong man. He has to be. He has to be the strong man. Brad, why you? No, don't be doing that. You're telling me that if there's a story that Jesus is sharing a story, he's not the strong man. Oh, you taught me. I, that's where I'm supposed to get to in a minute. But we do have to look at the context. But what bothers me is the fact that I feel like if Jesus is going to talk about a strong man, it has to be him. Right? Right? He's the strong man, and the bad guy, the robber, the thief, the criminal, the felon, has to be Satan. That's how it has to go. This is how it always goes. Jesus is the one he pulls back. He has the S. He's the strong man. He's the good guy. He goes around and saves people. How in the world can we read about a story in the Bible where Jesus is a thief and the strong man is Satan? Is anybody bothered by this? Am I the only one who thinks this cannot be right? It cannot be right. Jesus has to be the strong man. But if we look at this story, we're going to realize that maybe Jesus is going to identify himself as a criminal. Who's the strong man in this story? Satan is the strong man. Now, we're going to unpack that a little more in just a few minutes. I don't want you to be uncomfortable with the fact that Jesus identifies Satan as a strong man. In fact, the worst thing that you can do is underestimate the power of Satan and his army and what he wants to do to you. He has a plan, and it is totally and solely for your destruction. That's his plan for you. His plan in 2023 is make you fall and fail and fumble. That's what he wants you to do. But guess what? I think Jesus has a plan for 2023 too. And I think it might be just a little different than Satan's plan. You see, we have to recognize that Satan is coming after us. And just like in this parable, he's the strong man. And he has taken captive 
things which do not belong to him. And Jesus is about to become a thief, but maybe a little different kind. It just bothers me a little bit until we look at the context and see what is really going on. Now, I, I know you're sitting down, and I know it's Sunday morning, and I know you partied late into the night. And even if you tried to go to bed at a normal hour, you probably ended up like me where every five minutes I would bolt up because my neighbors, they were putting off fireworks, setting them all into the night. I mean, I thought 12 o'clock, woohoo, it's gone. They were celebrating it like several time zones later. They were still, I think they felt like every time somebody was getting in, passing over into midnight, no matter what time zone, they were setting off the fireworks. And every dog in the neighborhood was going crazy. So I know, I know you might be a little bit groggy. But my, my prayer, my hope for the next few minutes is this. By the time we get done, you are so excited and fired up about what has taken place in your life because of Jesus that you just can't help but stand up and scream hallelujah. Guys, I, I know it's tough, but... But I, I just want you to listen to how your life has been drastically changed by what took place. And Jesus is going to tell this perfect little parable. I just want you to know that Satan has waged war on this earth and in this earth. Now, very few of us were around, except maybe Rusty. That wasn't one of my New Year's resolutions. That wasn't. Rusty and Lynn were both hanging out. In 1941, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. But besides that one event, that was the only time in World War II where, where we really had, we didn't deal with a war on our soil. The war was on someone else's soil, right? That is not the case with Satan right now. He is he has waged war on our world and in our world. He has waged war on our neighborhoods and in our neighborhoods. He is trying to attack and attack and attack. Hitler's tried over and over again. He says, here's where, how we're going to beat England. We're just going to drop bomb after bomb after bomb in their house, in their neighborhood, in their communities, and we're going to completely decimate them. Psychologically, they'll say, we give up. And that's what Satan is trying to do. He is attacking the very fabric of our lives right here and right now. He is the one, the strong man, who is in the house. But listen to this. He not only has strength, but he has an army and he has a plan. Three different times in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of this world. You look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and neither one of them deny this, especially Jesus. Jesus identifies who the enemy is and what he can do. But Jesus is coming to take back what is his. 
Satan came to start the war. Jesus came to win it. Jesus' strength is greater, his army is stronger, and his plan is unbeatable. Satan may be the prince of this world, but Jesus is the king. He has dominion and rule over this world, including Satan, who's trying to destroy it. And as we look at this parable and we think about the strong man who's in the house and he has his possessions, Jesus is not the petty robber sneaking in to loot some coins. Jesus is the SWAT team kicking down the door and freeing the hostages. That's what this parable is about. It's not about Jesus is this terrible little robber and he wanna takes he's coming to reclaim back that which is his. Satan is in there and he's not the owner of that which resides in the house. He has stolen it. He has taken it. He is holding it. He is holding us hostages. And Jesus has said, these People belong to me. And this is the part where we all cheer. We're the ones who have been liberated. We are the hostages. Did you notice the footprint on the door as you rushed out to freedom? That is the outline of the size 7 Palestinian sandal that breached the door and allowed you to run out. When the Romans nailed Jesus' hands to the cross, Jesus tied Satan's hands behind his back. And folks, that's why the resurrection is so incredibly important. That's why Jesus says, look at the nail scars on my hand. I got free. He couldn't hold me forever. But Jesus says, I have bound Satan and he has remained bound because I'm the king and he's just a prince. This is my world and you are my people. You don't have to stay locked up in that house. I have freed you. I have liberated you. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us in 2023, in the year of the heist? Well, it means several things. First, as we've talked about, we must identify who the enemy is, and we have to recognize that they do have power. Satan is the prince of this world. But we also must identify that we have been held hostage by his schemes and his evil and the sin that leaves us tied up. So I told you I've been watching these documentaries and one of the ones I watched uh, took place, uh, it was a bank robbery that took place in 2016 uh, in Argentina. And, and there's basically two, two kinds of bank robberies. You either rob the bank while people are in there, or you rob the bank when people aren't in there. And there's issues with both of them, right? Okay, and so these guys did something that nobody had ever thought of. They decided to combine the elements of both of them to figure out how to rob this bank. Okay, so they decided that they are going to, they are going to dig this tunnel. There's this, this, this waterway underneath uh, the bank, and so they dug up 
right next to the vault, the room right next to it. Well, that's been done before. I mean, that's that's how people break in. They dig a tunnel, they break through the hole, they get into the vault when nobody's looking. But they got right up to the very edge of that wall and they stopped. They didn't break in at that point. After they had gotten the tunnel ready, the boat ready, all everything that they needed, they had a, a getaway van down the street where they could take the, this little boat down this, this little sewage area that they were in. They had it all figured out. Then, after they get it ready, then they don't breach that wall. Then they walk into the bank a few days later. And they say, we're here to rob the bank. Right? They let the, they let the police show up. They act like they're running out the front door and then notice the police. And then they run back in and shut the door. And then, of course, then this negotiation is going to ensue, right? And here's, here's the brilliant part of their whole plan, right? They now have hostages inside. And they say, they recognize, okay, we're trapped, we're in trouble, we don't know what to do. And the negotiator for the police says, hey... We, we, we need more time. Stall them as much as you can. We, we don't want them to get anxious and do anything, right? Well, mean, meanwhile, they have a guy who is, that they devised a special ramp, and they started breaking into the lockboxes down below. And you know what they're saying? We need more time. We've got to stall the police. And so this whole time, they're breaking in, and they get all this stuff. And then finally they say, okay, listen, we know we're going to have to surrender. We're going to spend a long time in jail, and we know the food is not good in jail. We'll bring us some food. So they brought them some food. They left the hostages in a room, and they all went down to have their last meal right beforehand. And so everybody thinks, man, these, these guys are just sitting there eating. The hostages are so anxiously waiting. They said, if we try to make a, a run for it, you, they're going to come out and they're going to start shooting us. And so they're sitting there, they're afraid. Meanwhile, they're not eating. They're loading up all the money that they got from this safe. They're running it down the tunnel. They get into the boat. They float down this little area. They load it up all in the van. The police are thinking, man, these guys are taking a long time to eat. And the hostages are thinking, man, these guys are taking a long time to eat. Seven hours later, the bank robbers are sitting in their different houses watching TV as the police break in to get the hostages out. And they have been long, long gone. It worked perfectly. But here's the sad part of it. Those hostages stayed in that bank fearing for their lives, not knowing that the bad man was nowhere around. And so that's how we might be living our lives right now. Jesus, he has tied up the one who would hold you hostage. He has kicked open the door and he says, come on out. But you notice, he doesn't drag people out against their will. He opens the door and he says, come follow. You don't have to stay in this. But some of you sit there and you say, 
But he doesn't know what I've done. That I belong in here. And you're dealing with, with guilt of past sins, of struggles of where you are now. Maybe you even think, I don't really deserve to have my freedom. I belong in here. And Jesus says, I've come to set you free. He's going to say it differently. In John, he's going to say, I've come to give you life and life in the fullest. But for some reason, we seem content to remain hostages to the devil who has no power over us. Because Jesus has won. We must identify the enemy. We must be honest about our sins. But we also must be willing to walk out. And this morning, and this week, and this year, we must celebrate our saving and our Savior. It seems weird that we would have to make that kind of plea that you should celebrate your freedom. But for some reason, we don't. Sometimes we walk around and we talk about recession and we talk about government and we talk about, you know, our football team that can't win. We talk about taxes that go up. We talk about schools that are struggling. We talk about bosses and we talk about uh, ex-spouses. Instead, we should be celebrating. In a world where everybody is struggling, we should be celebrating. We need to look around. We've got to hit the person next. Look, the door's open. Let's get out of here. And so that's our last thing. We must help others see the open door. And so this morning, I want you to celebrate. We have a free play. We have a fresh year. We have a Savior who's called us, redeemed us. He's delivered us. He's opened up the door. He says, come on out. And for some of you, get up and walk out. Don't let Satan rule your life anymore. Stop listening to his lies. And for those of you who have walked out of the door, you need to celebrate. You need to walk out of this place with a smile and a joy and a hope that people around here don't have. And they look at you and they say, why in the world do you have this? Why do you have this hope? And you say, let me tell you about the guy who kicked down the door. The day that Jesus was more than just a thief. He was the one who liberated you. And we need to be the ones who say, walk to that open door. Follow me as I follow Jesus and let's celebrate him. Folks, we only have 364 and a half days left of this year. I mean, it is, it is you know... It's going to go really, really fast. But this year, I want you to celebrate your freedom and help others see that Jesus is the King of this world. And I want to ask you to do that this morning as we stand and sing the song of invitation.